I love about you. My decade in radio by Polly James. So welcome back to the 10 Things I Love About You, my decade in radio by Polly James, supported by Radio Today and my podcasting hosts. Got to give them a big shout out because they've been brilliant. Omni Studio, they're based in Australia. And uh, (laughs) this whole podcast journey has been such an eye opener for me. I'm forever learning and I'm forever writing questions and asking them advice about what's going on here. How do I get my RSS feed or whatever it's called? And they've just been brilliant around the clock uh, helping me. So thank you very much to Omni Studio for hosting this podcast. And if you're listening to this on various different platforms, it's because of them. So big up Omni Studio. And thank you so much to you uh, for downloading and subscribing. I have had some lovely, lovely messages, which... I'm making this this whole little journey for me so worth it. Um, I had a message the other day, someone who's going through a bit of a odd time in their radio career. And they said, you know, listening to the last two episodes, the sports and the talk radio one made, made them realise how much they love radio and has reignited a little burning flame for them. So for me, that is just truly amazing. And yeah, thank you so much. Keep the feedback coming in. And there's plenty more episodes to come. This is episode three now, which is showbiz on the radio. And I am so hyped for this episode today, firstly, because I love showbiz news. Who doesn't? The human brain is hardwired to tune into any sort of gossip, I feel. Uh, we love a good old scandal as well, let's face it. And it's exciting. You know, the buzz that you get when a big news story breaks. What's the world saying about it? What are all the details? Got to tell my friends about it. We're a very nosy world right now, right? And I'm always trying to figure out how best I can deliver that news on air on The Breakfast Show. It's the worst when a big news story breaks and you're not on the radio. Feel me, radio presenters. I bet you're all thinking, yes, exactly. I want to be on air to, to, you know, speak to the audience about it. But look, today we've got two amazing people in radio. One who is a pro when it comes to reporting on showbiz news. And then the other who is a celebrity in his own right. And someone who's been in the radio industry for many, many years who who I'm lucky to call one of my good friends in the industry. So let's do this. My my special co-host for today, someone who I how I work I work in the same building as them, but because we're on different schedules, different rotors, I very rarely see you, but so it's so lovely to share a studio with you. The Pop Prince, it is Kevin Hughes. Thank you. Hey. That's a good intro. How are you, Polly? It's so nice to be here. Because normally it's been like, hi, Polly. Bye, Polly. A yes. brief, we might see each other at a function or an event. Uh, we work at, you're in the morning, I work drive time. So we're at ships of the night often, but this is very nice. I know it is, right. So you do, you're on Heart Wales on the drive time show, Heart Wales. You're also on the Heart Network now. That's right, yeah. Doing the weekend show. Yeah, do uh, lunchtime Saturdays, just started, one till four. Yeah. And four till seven, yeah, the drive time show, Heart Monday to Friday in Cardiff, yeah. And tell us about this. That you're on Virgin in Canada, is that right? Yeah, have I said few, that right? You have, Good, yeah. there we go. Well done, Polly. I like the plugs. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing a, an international chart show for a few years now. So that airs in Canada, uh, areas of uh, cities in Canada and across different territories in the world. It's called the UK Hit Music Chart Show. Mm-hmm. So I get to do the chart show thing. So that's nice. Top 40 show. They want to hear the hits the Brits are loving, Polly. <laughs> really? That's what we deliver. <laughs> that's what it's about. And that's right. made with the team at Create and they do a great job. Um, Kev, I am a capital presenter. It's all about entertainment. The brand yeah. embodies top 40 music, showbiz, pop culture, entertainment. You know, when we try and capture what is trending in the world 
world every morning and then deliver it to to a young audience. But you, yeah, you are the global showbiz reporter. You go to all the big events, the Brits, the television awards, the big premieres. Uh, and I was Capital Showbiz yes, reporter you, for exact, a good number of years. Yeah, you were. So how does that even happen to be the reporter on the red carpet and meet the stars? And you know, don't get me wrong, I love I love being in the studio. I absolutely love being a breakfast yeah. presenter. Doing you, very well, mate. Oh, thank so. you, yeah. thank you. But you you know, you are that level up when it comes to, you know, getting the exclusives, getting in front of the showbiz people. How did how did that happen for you? Well that road, the, that door. Well of course becoming a showbiz reporter at Capital uh, back in 2009 was an accidental thing that was not uh, on my potentially it wasn't directly on my wish list uh, because I was presenting radio shows I yeah. presented the music control radio show across the GCAP network the one network with the lovely Sally Bailey for tears then a year yeah. and a half on my own uh, before that started in radio at BBC Radio Wales so I'd always been interviewing celebrities and pop stars but presenting a daily or weekend radio show but the transition to showbiz reporter happened and this, um, and I'll keep this story very short, but it's because, and it was the result of the death of my idol, my favourite pop star, Michael Jackson. Right. That's how I ended up becoming the Capitals showbiz reporter. Because okay. take you back to the night of June the 25th, 2009. Sure. Everyone remembers where they were when they heard that story yes. broke. I bet you yeah, do. I do. I was in my bedroom. My mum shouted, uh, shouted up to me, Paul, Michael Jackson died. Said, no, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Because my sister had a ticket to go and see him live. At the O2, London. yeah. Yeah. Yes, my si- and I said, no way, my, like, Lars going up there to go see him. So overwhelmed with sadness, you know, this great icon of our time, of our music era has yeah. died. And, you know, there's part of you that wants to find out all the details and what happened. And you think of his kids as well, because they were super young. Yeah. But uh, it was one of those, you know, times where you always remember where you were when, when you found out the news. Everyone's got that story and everyone can remember that date. Well, I can because I was live on Sky News on the phone when that story broke. You're Michael's, uh, if you remember, the initial reports was that he had a cardiac arrest. Nobody really knew what was going on. I'm at my friend's uh, flat in London. And right. that night, of all nights, his Sky TV had broken. <laughs> I had no access to a TV no or a way. screen. Just uh, Twitter was new, listening to a bit of radio, trying to get online. Uh, and the days of the uh, having an old, uh, even my phone had died. So I was using a 2002 Nokia phone that night. People were texting me. I couldn't really work out who was texting me because I was <laughs> needed a new phone. They're just saying, I've just seen you on Sky. Oh, yeah. Have you heard that- the news? We know you're a big fan so been a massive fan for years saw yeah, Michael yeah. here live at the Arms Park in Cardiff back in 92 my first ever concert been a massive fan wow. my friend Matt Smith worked at Sky News so I own right. a lot of uh, I do own a, own a crate of beer he <laughs> had been I think celebrating something so he'd had a few right. pints himself that night and text me saying I cannot go on air but I know you're an MJ fan so I've given Sky News your number <gasps> So, at but this, this point, but he had only had the cardiac arrest at this point. Yes. So you were reporting on that he was he was gravely ill. Yeah, we were just trying to get any sort of information. I had a few contacts in Los Angeles. I knew I followed a lot of the dancers that were working with Michael on the This Is It tour. I sort of knew yeah. where he was at with the rehearsals for that big comeback show, obviously. Sure. So yeah. I was getting, I said, and I knew a lot about where Michael had been with his career, okay. where he'd live. So I told you this was a long story. So no, but I love shot. it. This is great. I so I get the message. I get no. I get a phone call saying. I I can't go on, but I've given them your number. They may call you. I went, oh, okay, fine. Two minutes later, Sky News ring me. 30 seconds later, I'm live on air on the phone. (laughs) 
Right, okay. So obviously now I'm talking, I'm hearing the audio of the breaking news story, but I have no access to the pictures. I have no access, therefore, to the ticker tape on the screen with any developments. I'm literally having to go with, uh, rely on, actually, Twitter. It was Twitter that really helped me out that night. But obviously, seven minutes, I think six or seven minutes into that conversation where I was talking about where Michael had been living, his story, they stopped me dead. So, Kevin, we'll stop you there. We're getting confirmation from the authorities and... Michael Jackson is dead. And at that moment, I had to react to that story. Live on Can air, live re- on the phone. I bet you remember those words as well, right? Yeah, I, if you listen to it, it's on YouTube somewhere. But if you listen back to my audio, I literally am trying to, I have to catch my breath. Hang on a minute, Kev. I've got the audio off YouTube. Hearing it back scares me. I'm just going to, uh, let's have a little listen. Yeah. So here we go. This is the first bit where you're talking about him. Um, but just knowing he's had a cardiac arrest. To, uh, Dublin, he stayed there for a few months. Rumours that he looked for a chateau, yes, you say, in France. But, and and Las, uh, Las Vegas as well. Jackson's been associated with, with Las Vegas a lot in the last four, three or four years, actually. And rumours that they wanted to... OK, let Michael me just uh, come in there, because we're getting reports from the Los Angeles Times, which are saying that Michael Jackson has died. They're quoting city and law enforcement sources. This is on the Reuters news agency. Los Angeles Times citing city and law enforcement sources saying that pop star Michael Jackson has died. This appears to be the official confirmation that we were waiting for. The TMZ website did report this some 20 minutes or so ago, uh, but it now seems that the Los Angeles Times have had confirmation from city and law enforcement sources. 50-year-old pop star Michael Jackson has died. Kevin, as we were saying, extremely shocking news this evening. Yeah, um, yeah. As a fan, I'm uh, I'm really sad to hear this news, and um, millions of people around the world will be in shock tonight. Um, it's been speculated about the state of his health for many years, but um, yeah, it's just incredibly shocking. I actually can't believe you're I'm on the phone like you uh, hearing those words, and, and I'm still in a bit of denial, hoping that this, that the rumours, uh, the story's not true. But and if if it is the case, it's a very sad day because music's lost greatest selling artist of all time, a true music icon, a uh, humanitarian, yes, a man with controversy and a man who's had, um, we all know what he's been through in the last 10 years, but yes, a family man, uh, just a fantastic entertainer, it's a truly sad day. Oh, Kev. Uh, Quite surreal, isn't that it? was really fascinating to hear, actually, obviously, you know, it's still such a sad moment, I know. Uh, but to, to hear that, knowing, you know, the resources that you had or knowing, you know, that you just literally had come on to talk about you know him being being yeah. rushed into hospital and then to hear that news as a fan as a news yeah. reporter you keeping your composure there was just brilliant. I literally was so yeah. in shock from yeah. hearing wow. those words words I didn't want to hear, but thought I'm life on air. I've got to focus and deliver. So I effectively delivered. I was the first UK broadcaster or journalist, you could argue, to pay to pay tribute to Michael Jackson as the story mm. broke. I then had to talk about and total raw emotion yes. as a huge, you know, not as someone who works as a broadcaster, but as a huge fan as well. Yeah. So you can imagine that sort of dichotomy thinking, hold it together. Yeah. The man yeah. I was about to go and see I had two uh, tickets to see the show, like yeah. your friend. I was had a good contact. I was arranging for me to meet Michael backstage at the O2. It oh. was quite a shocking night. But because of that moment, get back to your original question, yeah, yeah. how I became a showbiz reporter, uh, my boss at the time, Paul Jackson at Capital, yeah. the next day rang me and said, please come in for a conversation. <laughs> and I started working with love, the lovely team at Capital, like producer yeah. Rich Steele and, and, and Paddy working on the chart show there. And we worked on the Michael Jackson tribute documentary. And that aired... 
three days later on the Sunday night across all commercial radio. People may forget that the tribute to Michael aired across every single yeah, commercial yeah. radio station on a Sunday night. Wow, so I wow. came in to work with that but, and voiced it. And that's when the conversation was, we'd like to give you a new job and make you a showbiz reporter. But they and, must have seen something in you to say, well, look, you can handle this under pressure. You've broken probably the, the you know, the, the century's biggest yeah, showbiz that. news story. I was ready for it, yeah, and I, I was really excited for the challenge. I thought, well, I've been interviewing pop stars for a while now on the re- on the air. That's what we do, though. We you yeah. do every uh, you know a lot, and um, thought, well, I'll take this to the next stage and get used to those red carpets. It's a credit, and to that's you. what happened. And you proved your worth doing that week of covering Michael's death. I, I know I would have been a crumbling mess, too much emotion, especially live <laughs> on Sky TV, and the pressure to give it that huge moment, the justice that it deserved. And yeah, and to be fair, you absolutely nailed it. And in a weird way, it was quite lovely to hear your tribute straight away even under you know sad circumstances for yourself being such a big fan and we've all yeah. um, experienced I'm sure so many moments unfortunately the last 10 years where so many we've lost so many icons that I mean my 2016 the first four months of my 2016 I working with the global radio showbiz team with Charlie and Faye and the team there who I yeah. work with a great team and we worked on so many obituaries for so many incredible celebrities <laughs> yeah, and yeah. stars it was actually it was quite tough at times there, there must have been other attributes that you had for global to turn around you know this huge media company to say we want you as our global network showbiz reporter yeah well I know what helped me out was because I've been on the yeah, presenting radio shows, starting at the Beeb, did yeah. student radio, then the Beeb, and then ended up doing the music control radio show for the GCAP network. And, you know, so throughout that whole period, I was interviewing artists, or I was meeting sure. artists. So, you know, I met and went and interviewed a brand new band playing a gig to 14 people. They were called Coldplay. Stop so I met it. them at the beginning. Stop yeah, I was there. Uh, a new artist came in to talk about an album called Frank. Hi, what's your name? My name's Amy Winehouse. I, I did that. I was there. Uh, Stereophonics wow. did their first interview after they signed their record deal. So I was lucky that I met so many of the established stars at the beginning of their journey so yeah. got to meet them at the very beginning then and then follow you make the journey those through relationships yeah you form a relationship girls allowed followed them round the week they were f- trying to win pop stars the rivals <laughs> i know they took on one true voice so cheryl and the girls started interview them constantly from yeah. day one i mean i hosted their album launch once in wow. london and so by the time i'm a showbiz reporter cheryl is a judge on x factor i'm working every 2009 i spent every weekend backstage at the x factor for reporting on yeah. it for Capital and all our the global radio stations. It was a fascinating time. And, you know, X Factor was so big that year. And Cheryl was massive that yeah, time Yeah, and you well. couldn't get any access. You couldn't get access to Cheryl. So what was lovely for me is that she would do red carpets like a, a couple of movie premieres and I think the Pride of Britain Awards where we were told, don't, Cheryl, who's coming? You know, you, what you get, you get a tip sheet list of who's attending. You get a little A4 piece of paper with photos, with a name, so you know <laughs> who's coming. Because half yeah. the time you're going, oh, who's that? And you have yeah, sneaky. Like, trying to find out what, and oh, their, fa- their faces are on there yeah you have their faces as well no just way. in case you're not familiar <laughs> and of course in radio what was great for me a little tip here for anyone doing this job you've always got the, with radio the chance to go hello great to meet you now just for the edit just for the radio audience <laughs> do introduce yourself and tell me your character in this movie there's a little cheat for okay. you but back to Cheryl many a time what was lovely for me because I had a nice relationship with her and she trusted me it comes down to yeah, trust as yeah, well sure. and you're right forming a relationship she would ignore half the uh, interviews in the room and just come to my microphone position and talk to me Whoa. and that helped that I was lucky really lucky that happened several times oh wow 
And I even had that as well with Katy Perry working backstage at the MTV Awards. Yeah. I covered uh, the VMAs and the AMAs for several years in LA, New York, and yeah. whichever European city. And there was one year, Gaga and Katy Perry were both performing, but Katie <laughs> didn't want to talk to anyone. It was at the time all the Russell Brand business was going down, you know. You unfortunately. can understand that as well. You know, yeah. you don't want any press. So the newspaper's obviously there. And of course, where radio wins half the time is because um, we potentially aren't going to ask the scandalous and the salacious questions because we're not quite in that business. We do sometimes leave that to our print colleagues <laughs> who maybe want a bit more of that detail. The as I've talk- Yeah. And I'm talking about playing that long-term game. So when she saw me and saw the capital mic... Katie came straight to me oh, wow. again in front of all the other media. <laughs> and I had the only interview that year at the, the backstage of the awards. So that was a nice moment. And I bet so many world exclusives for yeah. you, Kev, and so many amazing showbiz moments. The best one? Yeah, there was. I actually need to start making a list. There's you been do. many, many a moment where I've read, uh, seen a story, but I'm like, actually, that was from my question. I, I remember asking that question on the red carpet, but of course, it's all mics in, all media in, and the story goes goes worldwide. But hey, Katy Perry put me in her movie for ten <laughs> seconds, so that's nice. I'm halfway through. Don't blink, you'll see me. <laughs> All right, Kev, we're going to get our special guest on in just a moment. He's going to be ready for us in the next five or so. But let me ask you this, right? Do you remember the first time from Michael Jackson to Little Mix and JLS at Ponty's Big Weekend when yes, we first met? That's right. <laughs> that was a great day. That was a great show. That was a great That was a great show, actually, because that was one of my first tastes of, uh, you know, working on Capital and being around the, sh- the showbiz element of it all. And that's right. bringing showbiz pieces to the radio. People listen to the radio to get their music fix uh, on breakfast especially you know the travel sport news competitions prizes just general chit chat to have that company but then yeah. you know also entertainment and showbiz where, where does showbiz come in on that long on that long list of things why people I think it's up to there the I think it's up there we want obviously entertainment from uh, from radio and look go back over decades there's always been a DJ playing a record that's informed you and the listener about about the artist about the record the composition of the song uh, the chart position of the song and then just expand on that then you want to know a bit more detail about your pop icons. I mean, in the 80s, you, well, there was no, state the obvious, there was no internet, <laughs> uh, no social media. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, where did you get your showbiz news? You got it from your national newspapers, yes, but you also got it from TV and radio, very important. I mean, there's always been, there will always be a case for... Uh, artists deserving and requiring and hoping for airtime, let's be honest, to plug their product. And that's how we have the synergy. We have the synergy and the unique relationship always has been radio with the record industry. There will always be artists who want to plug stories, but we want a bit more now. We want to know more about our artists. Back in the day, I think, you know, so many artists like Jackson, as like some of the big icons, uh, survived an industry where less was more. But now, of course, we want more and more information. But we want the info first before anyone else. Else. I want my listeners to wake up knowing that they are absolutely up to date, that they have That's all right. of the details. And, you know, I'm a big feeder of showbiz goss, even, <laughs> you know, a cheeky little exclusive where you always used to come in, Kev. Yeah. So there is, ma- you know, many occasion on the red carpet where you are just hoping you're going to get that nugget from an interview that will go on to become a big story. And I, I was lucky over my period doing showbiz news that a lot, uh, I did ha- manage to achieve quite a few exclusives. That go on then, up- tell, us, tell us some big, big exclusives that you've, that you've that you thought as soon as they started talking, you thought, here we go. Yeah, Producer, I was. So make sure you got this on record. <laughs> I mean, the last one, post. Yeah, no, that's the moment. They <laughs> yeah. please say this recorded. Oh, we've all got stories where we've recorded interviews. <laughs> oh no, we've come back with nothing. 
<laughs> I'm not even going to talk about that. Oh, that just gosh. makes my blood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's have a thing. The last one probably was when I was the last few months as a showbiz reporter. Uh, Justin Bieber confirmed to me he just recorded with Ed Sheeran. So wow. Ed had just written a song for him. So that became a global story because we Justin was about to come back. We didn't know what was going on with his new album, and Ed yeah. had written him the big hit. So I love yourself, obviously. So mm-hmm. that was a nice one to have. Yeah. And then I remember being in a studio with Will I Am at about three years ago, and just started chatting casually to him about his new album, new record. But he let slip in that conversation that, um, do you remember LMFAO? Yes. They were about to go on stage with Madonna at the Super Bowl halftime show. Right, well, and he let that slip. He let that slip to me. And he <laughs> thought nothing of it, but my brain was instantly going, that's definitely not out there. Madonna, nothing about Madonna's big anticipated show is out there. So my brain instantly went, we need to run this story now. Yeah. And we did. And within, and within an hour, every single showbiz website in the world carried the story. Because anything to do with those sort of shows, you know, you won't want an exclusive. Yeah. There were loads of rumours about special guests. And then two hours later, <laughs> Will I Am's people are calling saying, um, any chance you could remove that <laughs> element of the conversation? I went, mm, it's a bit Sorry. late for that. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. And that's why I love radio so much, because I suppose if that was on telly or if it was pre-recorded and it wasn't live and, you know, I always say radio gets what TV doesn't. Yeah. You're in a, you're in a lovely little comfortable environment. It's really easy going inside the studio. No need for the celebs to feel pressure of looking good, get their makeup right, look down the camera, you know, their guard drops and boom, <laughs> uh, they start talking about the stuff that we really want want to know about yeah you know will i am obviously felt so chilled out at that moment that he could you know spill the beans at that yeah. moment and uh that and, happens and he managed a lot. To pick the, yeah in the radio studio it really does doesn't it there and is then, something yeah where artists can can relax and let their guard down and even that like you talked about maybe uh you know demands from publicists questions you shouldn't ask it's always interesting that actually half the time the artist will bring up the subject that you've joking. been told not to ask about so if that happens to me it was always a green light to go with it for us anyway because I do a lot of showbiz interviews but they're you know obviously panned out from from London or the you know the headquarters up in London um, and we sometimes get a list of things that we're not allowed to ask yeah now you being the expert the pop prince and then me being the the over pushy presenter where do you stand <laughs> on these banned questions uh, now we always obviously want to treat our guests with the utmost respect but yeah. we also want to give our listeners you know some juicy gossip we, we want to get some talkability and no offence you know Little Mix make great albums they really do but my audience don't want to know about what inspired the track on this album they want to know you know what's Perry doing with Alex for Valentine's Day how's Jesse's love life <laughs> have you ever snogged any of your dances what's the next big collaboration for you girls talk to us about that Twitter beef that you've just had and if they don't want to answer those questions then you know sometimes you end up with a bit of a boring interview yeah. there's always the question on there that you actually want to ask yeah well, you see, I guess there was th- those of us in the industry who are obviously are itching to ask that question. <laughs> like me. Obviously, yeah, like you. And I know I've sat in on some of your interviews where they've you, gone yeah. there. But I think, good on you, Polly, you've gone there. But I always you know, I believe you have the right to ask the question. The artist sure. has the right to refuse to answer your question. So I think half the time it is, of course, a two-way relationship. So we're all trying to get something out of this uh, interview scenario. Let's be honest, it is almost a business transaction that's going on. Yeah, so sure. with the showbiz reporter head hat on, for me, obviously I have always believed in playing the long-term game. So if there were occasions where we were asked not to ask something, I knew that politically many reasons I shouldn't yeah. go there or there will be an opportunity to come in the future where this will come out. I mean, there's all sorts of politics that goes on behind the scenes. But on a red carpet, 
I think there were many times at movies, especially at movie premieres, where the publicist would quickly come down the line. They grab your arm, say, "Great to see you." Remember, no personal questions. Do not ask about this. Don't even mention the. You know, <laughs> that's what you used to get. But right, that, okay. with some of my colleagues around me, especially my colleagues who would be on the red carpet from print journalism, that's red rag to a bull. So they were literally waiting for the moment to go there with that question. Sure. So if it was difficult for us in broadcast. TV and radio cluster, we would be clustered together. If it was difficult, politically difficult for us to go there, we'd always rely on print to go there with the question. <laughs> yeah. And then you get your mic you in and get hope, your answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do you know what? I'm loving this so far, Kev. And there's still so much more to delve into because I've just had the text from our special guest saying we're good to go, got the green light. So <laughs> let's uh, let's give him let's give him a call. Yeah. A very established broadcaster, but also a celebrity in his own right because Legend. He a legend, yeah. But and I can call him a celebrity because he's been on I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. So that gives him <laughs> that gives him the blue tick, doesn't it? It so does. <laughs> like ridiculously so. <laughs> okay, let's get him on. Hello, Cardiff and Wheels. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine, Paul. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, hun. All the better for hearing your voice. It is the one and only Pat Sharp. Amazing. Well, that's very kind of you guys. Thank you very much. Hi, Polly. Hi, Kev. You all right, hun? Well, I'm, I'm all right for an old boy, yeah. <laughs> Kev, let me, just, let me just tell you. So, Pat has been there since the very beginning. Pat, where was it when, when I met you and you were doing Drive and it was on Heart... It oh, was in Cambridge. It was in Cambridge, yes, I yeah. remember. Yeah. Yeah, See, but Kev knows. Kev, you know all about it. Don't you know all about it? This man's me? a legend. I'm honoured to be on a podcast with Pat Sharp. Can I just say that, Pat? And you know that I love, love yeah. lovely pop print. <laughs> but have, have you guys met before? We have met before, haven't we, Pat? And there was many times where we sort of crossed paths on air, didn't we? Of course, yeah. I mean, technically, when I would have left Cambridge at seven o'clock uh, on that drive show, which I did for just over three years, which was really good fun. It was Q103 and then it became a yeah. heart station. Uh, I would have listened to you doing your network show at seven, wouldn't I? That's right, because obviously we were in the same studio every day. So, yeah. yes, yes, of course. <laughs> yes. We were all in the, you were in everyone's studio That's when right. you were doing your network show. You, yeah. you belonged to every county. <laughs> oh, great memories, though, Pat. Great days. Yeah, good times. Kev, you've got Pat Sharp down the line. Are your showbiz blood-hungry eyes wanting to ask him anything just off the cuff? So many thoughts. I mean, Pat has had this ridiculous, <laughs> incredible career on radio, on television, and has had chart hits for a start. So I top, <laughs> my, top my hat to him for that. I uh, love but... how the, Kev's got this like inner showbiz beast coming out of him right now. I, <laughs> I can hardly wait. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of um, interviews with celebrities, Pat, and engagement with celebrities, do you have a top three, would you say? Do you have three which you will always refer to and go back to? Well, it depends what you mean by that word celebrity, Kev, because at the end of the day, I think a celebrity now, if I read the mail online or something, is somebody generally that I often haven't heard of, but they're, they're a celebrity in their own lunchtime. So, um, you know, it depends what you mean by that word. It is quite loosely bandied around these days. I mean, I did enjoy, I think, if I'm going to go down the real celebrity as in somebody who's very well-known route, I would say that, you know, I had a pretty good time standing in line at the Cafe Royal in London, um, at Capital Radio's Help a London Child lunch one year, and, uh, you know, shaking hands with Princess Diana, who said that she liked our record, you know, that we'd made for Help a London Child. Wow. wow. So that, that was quite cool. Yeah, you know, that's what a moment. Someone, I think someone he's just, most people have heard of, you know. I think he's just trumped your Michael Jackson moment. Sorry, Kev. <laughs> well, I think so. <laughs> the late Princess what? of Wales actually loved your record, Pat. No, that's I... incredible. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, she used to uh, come into Capital Radio and sit in the office there and have a cup of tea or coffee out of a uh, polystyrene cup from the old machine and just uh, chat away with, with Graham Dean and go and sit in and watch him on his breakfast show. And You're kidding. Oh, yeah, she was a huge fan, and uh, that's why she was a, a Help London Child patron and uh, loved the radio station. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's why you used to see her at concerts and stuff with with, uh, with Prince Charles, and, you know, and she dragged him along to watch Duran Duran and the like. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But you mentioned Michael Jackson as well. I mean, I did, um, I did a tour with Michael Jackson as such where I would go on stage and, um, you know, sort of, shout about what bus you could get home afterwards and make sure that you got home safely and give information out. We didn't actually get to DJ on the stage, but we were sort of uh, uh, presenters of the, of the concerts when he had Kim Wilde and Rosala as his support acts. So, I do, that's I, right, yeah. I do something similar at Ponty's Big Weekend when I introduce on uh, Union J, for example. I, I know the feeling, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, Paul. Yeah, we can all done that, Pat. We'll still on stage at Wembley Stadium. Yes, I know, I know, right? Wow, yeah, that's but, incredible. But, but I never got to meet him. I did, a, I did a tour with him, Milton Keynes Bowl, Wembley Stadium and all the big venues. The only thing they did ask me to do one day was to go on stage after hyping up the crowd for about 20 minutes and telling them that Michael Jackson was actually with his own video camera at the top of the curtain behind us, the big sort of stage curtain at Wembley at the big middle bit. And he was videoing you also. Give him a wave. Everybody went crazy. And then they said to me, can you just go on and tell everybody that he's actually not coming here tonight? And he's in his hotel and he's not well and he's not going to come. So the concert's cancelled. And I said, let me think. Mm, how about no? Why don't you send someone else? Why don't you send someone else on to break the good news? <laughs> yeah, public enemy number one. Wow, yeah. that's amazing, Pat. See, I love all these yeah. stories that you've got, and I probably you probably got loads more. And I know Kev is still. Well, I mean, gosh, yeah, there's so many. I mean, <clears throat> George Michael was another big supporter, wasn't he, Pat, of Adelanda Child? Absolutely, Kev. I mean, he, you know, he would uh, he would win awards with, with our sort of. Um, I say ours. It was it was ours when I was there. Uh, you know, when I was at Capital, he would win awards that were sort of you know the the best you know vocalist of the year or whatever. When he hadn't actually made a record because he was that friendly with with Capital Radio and with Richard Park for yeah. that matter. That um that they were such good pals that he would come along and endorse everything that Capital did and end up winning an award even though he hadn't made any records that year. But he was just a, a great friend of the station. And, and you mentioned Help a London Child, this charity that, uh, that I made the uh, you know the Patton Mick records for where we raised about 300,000 quid for the charity over, over a few years with our, our hit singles made but I don't like to talk about it because it's charity <laughs> Fine pop yeah. records, Pat. Fine pop records. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, but not on either of your playlists. But, uh, <laughs> he, he, he would give money um, to help a London child to top up the, um, uh, you know, the sort of the, the bids and everything. And he'd say, oh, here's 50 grand, here's 100 grand. And he'd give it anonymously, as you probably read recently about him just after he died. Yeah. And he would often give money anonymously to various people he saw on quiz shows on TV. So he was, he was a great supporter of the charity. He was a North London guy like me, and uh, he grew up with the radio Tell me amazing um, stories. Pa- um, Pat, we, we were just talking to Kev um, just before we got you on about, you know, sort of like uh, a lot of showbiz interviews now happen and, and you have a list of questions that you're not allowed to ask these celebrities. Now, you, on the contrast of being a, you know, a, a reporter, a, you know, a radio DJ and a celebrity as well, who's, you know, been on either side of the mic. Where do you where do you stand on these questions? Like, for example, if Kev was about to interview you and you didn't want to talk about I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. But he went there. How would you sort of address that? 
Well, it depends how he would know that I didn't want to talk about that, Polly, because I'm guessing some PR guy would have said, oh, listen, by the way, you know, Pat doesn't want to talk about that. But I've never been in that position because I've never been that kind of, uh, you know, celeb. So I think that, um, uh, you know, for me, I would go and do any kind of interview, as I've done many over the years, and people just don't even query that because I don't have a PR guy with me, and they wouldn't say what, what is not uh, yeah. what is not an area you can't go to. And I wouldn't have a problem with Kev asking me anything at all or anybody asking me anything. Thanks, Pat. Because I, you know, I'm I'm not in that league. I'm not that sort of guy. But you know, I can remember waiting in line doing uh, what Kev does. You know, that 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 kind of uh, interview thing uh, to meet um, Wayne Rooney when I was doing some shows for Century back in the day. And I was told that I couldn't ask him about something. I don't know what it was, what he'd done or what he hadn't done. But I was told I couldn't ask that. And I just went up to him, and, and there was a long line of people, and I called him over, and they were all trying to get Wayne's attention, and they'd all been told not to ask him this thing. And I must admit, I you know, I didn't ask him that thing because I respected what the PR guy said, and I thought it would have been unpleasant for him to talk about it if he didn't want to. So I just asked him something else, and all he did was look at me and go, oh, you ought to play from Funhouse. And David Beckham did the same to me as well. He just, I, I got called over to his um, his table at the Nordoff Robbins lunch once by Posh. She, um, well, Victoria, she's now called, of course. Yes. And she um, uh, she just wagged her finger at me and called me over. And I thought, well, I could either, you know, go over or I can just sit here and say, sod off, you, you know, you, you come over here if you want to say hello to me. So yeah. I went over. And, uh, <laughs> what, did, what did she say to you? She said to me, I wanted to thank you that I heard you on the air the other day. She was talking about my show that I'd, I was doing on Heart London at the time. And she said that I heard you on the air the other day. You mentioned my book, my autobiography, Learning to Fly. And um, you mentioned it and you weren't rude about me being thin or David being stupid and all the things that people say about us. You were just very nice about it and said it was a good read. And I said, well, there you go. I said, it's probably because I couldn't think of a joke at the time. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and and then and then she laughed. And in the meantime, um, in the meantime, he he was sort of looking over the whole time, trying to catch my attention, sitting next to her, and I was ignoring him and just looking at her and talking to her. And then and and then I just looked at him like that, and I went, "Who's your friend?" And she went, oh, that, "That's that's David. He's, he's he's the England captain." And I went, "Oh." And then he said to me, "I love Funhouse." Ah, we all love Funhouse, yeah. Pat. Yeah, so that was nice. Uh, it was. But, um, uh, it was my 30th birthday last year, um, Kev, and I got Pat to do a Funhouse-style 80s quiz for me. No, seriously. Yeah, honestly, it was super good, wasn't it? Thanks for that, Pat, by the way. Oh, you're welcome, honey. You're welcome. <laughs> um, before, before we got you on as well, Kev was mentioning about some of his best showbiz radio pieces have been when he's in a relaxed environment in the studio yeah. and the artists that he's interviewing or celebrities that he's interviewing has has felt so chilled out that they've let slip a piece of hot gossip and and maybe leaked something that you shouldn't have. Have you ever exposed anything that you shouldn't have? Maybe you've had to keep stum before entering the jungle or, you know, <laughs> Mark Wright and Michelle Keegan's wedding. You weren't meant to say anything, but you did. <laughs> yeah, I think I probably have. I probably said to somebody something that I thought afterwards, maybe I shouldn't have said that and said to them, oh, do you mind not mentioning that? And then they've uh, they've ended up obviously mentioning it because that's their job. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Really? But you wouldn't you wouldn't do that. Like say like Kev was saying, like it happened when he was talking to Will I Am, but yeah. then obviously Will I Am's PR and you know managers and whatever said two hours later. Yeah. Which I think in that respect is a little bit too long to then go back to you and say, Look, can you, you know, stop the, the publication going out or whatever? Yeah. But straight away, would you respect that? Um, if, Pat, if Pat said to you, Look, you know, please don't mention that. I think um, well, if it's Pat, obviously, yes, yeah. absolutely. It's Pat's <laughs> job, for goodness sake. But um yeah, you just have 
have to, I think it's a, a individual case, merit by merit uh, case thing in the sense that it's all to do with context. You know, what's the bigger picture? Uh, I've just believed in playing some over the years, the long term game. So I thought, OK, if you're not going to give me that now, if you want me to hold this back, I know in the future something else might come my mm-hmm. way. Favours for favours. That definitely goes on. A lot of that goes on. <laughs> Yeah, and it comes down to the person who's being interviewed as well. If it was me in that respect, you know, it's a, it's like you guys doing your radio shows today. You know, think before you speak, really. And if you don't want to say it, don't say it. Yeah. So on Capital Breakfast, we deliver a huge amount of showbiz content uh, to our listeners every morning. Uh, we get we get the showbiz email every day, which is what you used to write up. Remember that, Kev? That's right, three <laughs> in the morning. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we get a showbiz email. You know, we get a lot of our content off um, off news websites, off um, off Twitter. Yeah. But here's a question, and this actually comes from the Express Radio team at Cardiff University. Um, as a seasoned pro, Kev, the showbiz reporter for for the Global Network, and obviously Pat, you on both sides of the mic. Yeah. When you get these big news stories that are breaking, and you see it in the newspaper or you see it on Twitter how do you then turn that into a really fun piece of engaging content which is relatable to a radio audience? Well I think I try and think about um, bringing my own personal uh, I guess thought process to it and my own spin on it if you can you know if it's a story that's everyone has been repeating for the last uh, two days or just lot, even the last few hours something that was in the paper this morning by the time I get on it at five o'clock yeah. well most listeners probably know that story so I'm already thinking where what's the next uh, chapter in that story as it were or can I add a personal spin on it or can I try and move the um, story forward or of course you know what we're all trying to do is make it relatable to the listener I Absolutely, guess that's what you're yeah. trying to do but um, I mean if it's that big a story then I'm sorry I'm going to go big on it anyway. Yeah. So, keep talking just about it. Just relay the facts. See, I just like relaying the facts and just make it, just just having that big buzz moment on air. If there's this huge story, I'm like, guys, you're waking up today and yeah. can you believe it? Yeah. But it is so fast moving now, let's be honest. By the time, if a story does break in the morning, by the time we're on air in the evening, so much has happened. There'll be so many more updates and we live in this world now. You know, we used to, I guess, Pat, um, back in, say, 80s, 90s, we'd have to wait for the next day, the next daily newspaper, the tabloids, let's be honest, to update us with a story. (laughs) Now we're checking constantly on all our socials within every second. Yes, it was very different for me. I can remember sitting in the studio at Capital in London and actually looking at something on CFAX and waiting 20 minutes for the page to change. (laughs) Stop it! (laughs) It's so true, though! (laughs) (laughs) When I I think about some of the stories that we would would mention or if something came in the paper, as you say, you'd have to wait for at least another day to get news because there was no tinternet and uh, no way of finding anything out until it appeared in print or, or on some kind of, uh, I suppose, TV news where you might keep that on in the background. And, yeah. um, you know, with the subtitles and, and CFAX and Oracle, you know, the, the alternative, they, they would, um, it would be interesting if you did get a story that came up and then it moved on because you hadn't put it on hold, it moved on to the next page, it would be at least three or four months before it came around again. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, that's... Get the hold button. <laughs> <laughs> but how does it work now, booking celebrities to come on the radio to feature that big showbiz story? Back in the day, I can imagine, you know, going through publicists and yeah. uh, radio pluggers. Now, you know, if there's a big showbiz story, we can go to that one person who it involves and tweet them directly and say, do you fancy coming on the show? We're going to yeah. be talking about you in the next sort of half an hour. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's my number. <laughs> um, how, how is that different from back then to now to now? Um, yeah. All our celebrities would have just been booked for us, as I can remember. Whenever anybody turned up, they would have been um, 
booked by somebody at the radio station, I guess RPA or something. I don't even remember if there was. We actually had it. We actually all every DJ had their own PA who would sit and type things for them and send letters and do stuff for them and then send uh, a reply to anybody who wrote into the radio station. Anybody who sent a letter would get an actual personal response, which we would just sign. Um, but I think, as far as I can remember, if you had a guest on your show, a celeb, a pop star or whatever would turn up, they would just turn up because they were booked to be there at that time. And uh, they would turn up and often, more often than not, sometimes by themselves. They would they would turn up a little bit early and sit in the studio and, and you know, you, you had to do your show because they weren't allowed on, say, till when I did the evening show when I first started at Capitol. You know, the guests came in, I think, at 9 p.m. So if they turned up at half past seven, they'd sit there for an hour and a half and you'd look at them and think, oh, am I going to? They're always late nowadays. Oh, absolutely. Always. Oh, no, no. My dad, they were very keen. You know, we had huge audiences. They couldn't wait to get on. <laughs> that is weird, though, isn't it, though, Pat? It's knowing strange. that they'd be through the glass. And you, therefore, you have to think, what am I actually going to say about them? Because they're sitting right there and I can see their reaction. Oh, no, they weren't even through the glass. Oh, right. They didn't have a glass. They were just in the studio. We had one studio. Oh, I love that. Oh, there. my gosh. They would sit right. I remember Andrew Roachford, the guy who sang Cuddly Toy. He came in one evening and he sat there for an hour and a half. And I didn't know what to say to him because I thought, if I say, how are you, it's a bit silly because I'm going to be asking him that again a bit later. So, <laughs> you know. Well, there wasn't very in-depth, my showbiz chat. So uh, I just sat there and asked him if he wanted a coffee. He went, no, thanks. And I went, oh, all right. Well, I said, you better sit there because I've got to do the hit half hour and the people's choice exactly. before you're on. <laughs> but it's, it's always nice, isn't it, when you meet artists who actually are fascinated by radio. Yes. They actually come in and far more interested in the mechanics of what we do. And how do you get into this? Yeah, I do. Right. There are many, but I do love it when that happens. So, I'm not sure he was very fascinated. I think he just got the wrong bus. <laughs> got there early. <laughs> Kev used to be sort of uh, the guy at at Global Headquarters who would sort of devise a big schedule of, yeah. I don't know, say, for example, Jason Derulo, and then Capital South Wales would have him at, say, 10.30. Uh, Capital Liverpool would have him at 10.45. There, and to yeah. be fair, it would it would always run over. Always. And uh, so how does that... I mean, it's sort of so different now, isn't it? Because there's there's no need for Jason Derulo to come around to all of these stations when it could just be panned out from, from one station. Although I still believe in that, and that's why it's good to know that artists still go on the road yeah. All the, some of the big companies, like Psycho, Mix. yeah, make sure they go out. Yeah. And they're always on the Little Mix. Come on, they, Little Mix do a radio tour, and they come here every year. Yeah, good on them. And there's yeah. something to be said, isn't there, Pat? They're having personal Absolutely. human interaction with an artist—that's how it should work. Absolutely, and also, of course, if these uh, you know these stars of today do come to your station, then uh, the chances are, I'm pretty sure, Polly, that you know there'll be some kids outside waiting to see them. Wouldn't yeah, they? absolutely. Yeah, they're that's always waiting for Polly and Matt. <laughs> Well, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Wading through the crowd. I know. Yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> well, that's that's why Matt's going out the back door. <laughs> <laughs> but there is nothing worse, though, than once I kept an artist waiting in Bristol. Oh, her, One of her first ever, you know, <laughs> people who know me really well get, really, Kevin? Um, especially apologies to some of my show, lovely showbiz team, like Joe and Charlie and Faye, I work with the Global, are mm-hmm. maybe late for a few interviews. But, hey, it's a busy, you know, life is busy, London's sure. busy. But... She was doing one of her, it was, I think, her first commercial radio session and I was stuck in traffic and therefore um, we had to tell a little white lie that I had been interviewing another artist, therefore I'd been delayed. (laughs) And that artist I kept waiting half an hour was Adele. (gasps) Wow. That won't be happening again, Pat. No. No. (laughs) 
you know, I think at the end of the day, these people know that you know that it's important for them to be on as many radio stations as they can. But I think yeah. when I was interviewing um, the likes of these guys, you know, take say you know 1987 when I started the Capital, or even 1982 when I was Radio One when I started my career, you know, there, there wasn't that many radio stations, so they wouldn't have had to do a 10:15 and a 10:30 and a 10:45. Yeah. So they probably went to Capital, went to Radio One, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, the whole UK covered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the bigger you don't have to name names, but you know this is this is always a question that I get, and you know as I say, you know we don't get to meet these stars as much anymore. Um, but the bit the biggest diva demands that you've seen, Kev, you mu- you must have been around some some yeah. awful celebrities who are a little bit too big for their boots. Pat as well, have a little think whilst Kev's answering this. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, there was you know there are moments where celebrities have obviously a massive huge entourage around them. Um, I often think it can be. Uh, the, the, the younger the celebrity or the more insecure celeb- the celebrity, the bigger the entourage. So sometimes you are fighting to get access through the entourage, right. you know, you're dealing with that. And I think sometimes it's the entourage to justify their jobs, like to issue the diva demands. If you get one-to-one with the artist, they have no interest. Um, there was one American female artist who demanded a straw when she came in for an interview at Global Towers, and uh, I know that me and my colleagues spent a long time running around the building trying to find a, a plastic straw, straw would right. not drink the water from a glass, and then <laughs> during that whole interview, just all we kept looking as when is she going to use the, the straw? straw? For the entire interview, the straw wasn't touched. And you're kidding. It wasn't touched. And you spent an hour trying to look for one. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, people talk about Mariah Carey, for example, being yeah. the ultimate diva in the business. Sure. I, But... She's very, I don't believe that because, well, she plays up to her and she has a great laugh. So when I interviewed uh, Mariah when she came in for Capital, she just enjoyed playing, living, you know, playing up to that role and that character. Yeah. But with a twinkle in her eye and there's a little nod to the fact sure. that I know I'm being fun. I'm having, like, she directed yeah, yeah. me in the photograph. She approved the photograph. She sorted the lighting really? out. And, you know, but I you had to just go on with it, go along with it. Did you think that, but that was part of her character? But that was off air though. So. Yeah. But on air, she still, there was a bit of that as well. Like, yeah. hey, honey, don't ask me that. You know, but I, th- I think I went with it. There are many times where I think, Pat, maybe like you're the same, where I've completely erased the memory of an incredibly awful encounter with a celebrity and their publicist because it was just so awful and cringeworthy. Oh, no. uh, she was fun and, you know, and and just had fun with it. There are many who truly were horrendous. Yeah. I think I have truly erased. <laughs> uh, Pat, what about you, babe? Well, I think these days what Kevin's saying is that you guys, you know, you probably have so much more to deal with these artists and they have to be prima donnas because of the fact of, the, of social media and somebody uh, hanging around in the background with their phone on video or this and that, which is suddenly going mm. out, you know, into the yeah. ether and, and um, you know, shared by millions of people. And in my day, it wasn't like that. You know, people came in and, you know, when when... Jason and Kylie and, and you know, I mean take Tiffany for example you know I'm sure Polly's been on many a weekender and dance to I think we're alone now and love that song you know <laughs> even though even though she wasn't born but um, you know, <laughs> you know she, she got famous from going to shopping malls in America as, as you probably know um, and just you know, singing that song in a mall and more and more people got to like the song and got to hear that she was going to this mall or that mall and she became more and more famous from singing it and eventually had a big hit record with it and people would queue around the block to see her singing it in shopping malls. That was the way she got to promote it by doing it for free and um, became a star. So when she came to London, people had heard about this and we played the record and said she's got famous now and had a hit in America from singing this in shopping malls. Why don't you guys... You know, show her how good you are as Londoners. Come up and say hello. 
So she came to London and came and did our radio show. And then we brought her down to the reception in the old Eastern Tower on the Eastern Road. And there was a queue of about three quarters of a mile around the block of people oh, wanting wow. to see her. Mm. And I can't imagine that you get that with too many people now. But, you know, when that happened, she, she was just a, a pop star and she wasn't a prima donna because none of them, you know, if some of them had cameras with them, they'd bought a little Instamatic with them. They certainly didn't have a mobile phone because they didn't exist. And, um, and uh, you know, they weren't on Facebook or Twitter and, and doing all the things that you can do these days with, with social media. So she was probably quite happy with her guy to stand there and, and to wave or shake hands with yeah. people and just be a pop star. So it was a really different time. I don't. I think that social media has made such a huge difference with people being wary of being caught with, with, the, with the wrong glance or the, or the wrong frown and then that going you know, on, on the internet. People say, oh my God, no, she's not that pretty. Like, oh, she's got, she's got um, you know, cellulite or something. It wasn't like that in those days. No one even, it didn't cross your mind. There was no heat magazine even. So there was nothing like that. Yeah, and it's, it's instant as well. You, I can stick, you know... Kev was to give me, you know, an end toward look. Now I could stick it on in, on Twitter. <laughs> I would never do that, Paul. <laughs> I've never seen his untoward look. No, never. Me neither. I'm going to capture it one day. Do you know what, guys? Thank you so much for giving us just a little bit of insight into the showbiz industry on the radio. Uh, Pat, back in the day, your amazing stories about how Princess Diana used to sit in on your show, which is yeah. amazing. And Kev as well, that magnificent story that you'll have forever now of you reacting, the first person to react to Michael Jackson's death on, on Sky News, which is how you became the showbiz reporter and more importantly, all these brilliant relationships that you have with these big stars and how they trust you, which is why now you're so successful at your job, (laughs) which is why I'm going to finish with one final question. And a lot of radio students will hopefully be listening right now. How do they get into radio, but then manoeuvre themselves into the showbiz sector? I suppose they could start blogging, I would think. Would you think, Kev? Yeah, absolutely. And they're saying it. I think the first thing is you've got to be inquisitive and hungry to ask questions and to demand answers and to want to know everything about especially the word of showbiz and celebrity you literally need to be a little bit obsessed everything from the <laughs> kardashians on e to the yeah. red carpets awards season brits baftas grammys oscars if you live for that uh, if you were someone who's been buying back in the day you bought he magazine now you're te- checking out all the showbiz blogs yeah, or yeah. on instagram twitter and snapchat and more well that's the yeah, first of all you tick the right box because you're the right person that should be on the red carpet you should be meeting celebrities if you are have got that hunger and the, that desire to find out more and ask questions and you know if you've got the uh, um, if you've got the hooks, I suppose, if you have the bravado to do it as well. But a lot of people, I guess, now in radio come through news journalism backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people obviously go start in news and then migrate over to being part of a showbiz team. That's how I think that's the most uh, popular and traditional route in radio at the minute. I was just going to say, let me ask you, Kev, where, where will it go? Because I can remember 10 years ago that uh, when I was working in Cambridge, when Heat Magazine arrived, that everybody would rush to have a little look at it. And now, of course, I guess very few people do. I don't even know if it still exists. And um, even if it does, people are not using that so much. They're using their phone and, and their computer. So so where would it be in 10 years from now? Will you be actually sort of have a some live link-up that gets you into someone's house and you can watch Beyonce? I don't know how it works. Yeah, yeah I can, probably. I think that's happening. <laughs> yeah, you've started <laughs> something, Pat. <laughs> no, I think it's more and more artists are going to want to make... 
Yeah, absolutely. Artists who want to make more and more money out of it and, you know, mm-hmm. retain copyright to their content, retain that access and therefore generate uh, an economy from that. And I think that's, that is the way it's going. I mean, look at, obviously, as we look at the declining sales of magazine, print, yeah. newspapers and magazines and showbiz publications and more and more uh, blogs and celebrity websites become the prolific source for showbiz content. Podcasts um, as well. And podcasts, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I think you're right, Pat. But hopefully there'll always be a demand also- for Joby's on the radio, and that's what we have to hope. Yeah, I think so. Whenever I, you know, whenever I hear you guys doing something on the air, it, it, it's very believable because you're hearing it on the radio. So you, you probably, I think the listener probably thinks as well that it must be um, a true source of getting their showbiz because they would think to themselves, if it's not a true source, there'll be problems for that radio station. Of course, now with yeah, all the course. rulings, you know. Yeah. You know, I think we used to say some things that we just thought might have been happening and no one blinked an eye because um, there wasn't the sort of Ofcom rulings that there are these days. You had to, uh, you know, these days you've got to play by a lot of rules. You, it's not, you couldn't start saying things that, you know, pretty much aren't clarified, correct? To be honest, as presenters, we really do have to be careful what we're we re- do, reading yeah. out from a newspaper. Yeah, the newspapers, they're self-regulated, so they can say what they fancy and they do have rules, yeah. but, you know, being self-policed, it's easier for them to say what they want. But we... On the radio, we are regulated by Ofcom and we need to report the truth and we can't just go on air and say, you know, the paper said this and, you yeah. know, that's not going to stand up in court. They've, yeah. That's no defence. Yeah, I, slightly, I get more or less. I mean, I just, I think you can apply common sense to it, really. If you think it's highly defamatory, right. uh, thinking about to uh, slander or li- make a libelous comment and then step away from it. Pretty uh, clear, yeah. yeah. You can't just say the word allegedly to cover yourself, can you? Yes, no, exactly. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what we, we go to, like, these are compliancy meetings. And yeah. You can't yeah. just stick allegedly or apparently in front of it anymore, can you? you know? yeah. No, no. So, uh, but more and more artists are giving us the information from their mouths, yeah. from their social media. And it's interesting what's happened in the industry is the power, the publicist still has so much power now. The publicist, obviously, surrounding an artist or a broadcast outlet or a record company still have power, but that has slightly shifted more towards the artists who control, have become, obviously, with Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram, I would argue, their own publicists. They are generating that content themselves, whereas back 25 years ago, that was all done for them in a press release that you might get once every two weeks. Yeah. And now it's instant. Well, yeah, the main example of that, and I know it's not really showbiz side, is probably as an example of what you just said is Trump, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it comes straight from the horse's mouth when you need it, isn't it? There it is, yeah. three yeah. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if it doesn't make sense, but it's still there. Um, a lovely little insight into showbiz on the radio and, and, and the future of it. And Pat, some great stories from you and Kev alike as well. And your moment that you realised you were going to be the pop prince and, and, do, and do, the, do the big showbiz report. Twitter was new. I didn't know what I was going to call myself. I thought I could get rid of this title. Now it's stuck with me. It's stuck Fine. with you. Pat, oh, well, we Pat like Shaw remains the legend, Pat, in awe of you, Pat. <laughs> Well, you're very kind. Congratulations on your 10th anniversary, Polly. Just another 10. Oh, thank you very much, Hen. Well, um, lovely to lovely to speak to you, and I'll see you soon, OK, babe? OK, guys and girls. So there we go. The lovely Pat Sharp. He's, do you know Amazing what? man. He's kind of like being a bit of a, a mentor for me, you know, a bit of a cushion. That sounds weird. But someone who I can, you know, call for on, for advice and have a little rant with. And he's just a lovely guy who's just believed in me and has just been such a positive force in my career. But obviously someone I look look up to as well. So It's so lovely. important to have though, that in the industry. Yeah. It really is. But um, thank you so much for coming on. Well, congratulations Ken. on 10 years. Oh, thank you. I know. I can't believe it. I think it's like, I can't believe I've actually managed to 
to be in a job for 10 years, let alone radio. So <laughs> this is my way of celebrating. Who is the now the one artist <laughs> or celeb, after talking all about this now, yeah. but who is on your wish? Who is your number one? If you could interview anyone oh, right gosh, now, who would know. it be? I don't, if I had to interview anyone, who would it be? Who? Well, apart from a Kev Hughes slash Pat Sharp combo, <laughs> uh, Tyson Fury, uh, I mentioned this in the sports episode a couple of weeks back, but, you know, managed to speak to him during a, a point in his career where he was pretty vulnerable. He didn't know whether he was going to be boxing again, but he was very open yeah. and honest and I felt super comfortable. All the questions I had prepared were just thrown out the window. We just ended up having a big conversation that naturally flowed and uh, it was great. We ended up singing Tom Jones to uh, to, <laughs> to about 500 people in the Ronda Valleys and the sports centre. It's very surreal. Yeah. No, he's not particularly showbiz by any means, but you know, he's a big personality in, yeah. in, in the sporting world. Absolutely loved it and I loved him and my whole persona changed and that's what I like about meeting people who you have like sort of uh, you know an intrigue about beforehand you're not quite sure how how they're going to be and I got so worked up I got so nervous do you still get nervous when you went to yeah a little bit yeah I used to be yeah I think it's only natural but um, especially if the the bigger the artist I mean but actually what normally happens in that situation I would walk in a room and for example there's Dame Judi Dench Nicole Kidman there's George Clooney there's Nicole Kidman I mean just that sort of level of stars who have nothing to prove anymore or comfortable with their fame and their experience I know wisdom it's you know all walks of life but it's true in show business I've always found the the, those that have nothing to prove are the nicest and most sincere individuals to interview I tell you who I'd like to I'd like to get in a room right now yeah. and this is current this might not be as current because who knows when this podcast is going to go out but maybe <laughs> last week this was very current Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker oh please we oh need to hear God. more about that is that the biggest beef that you've seen on Twitter be honest yeah I think for a on long Instagram, time yeah wow. that was such a revelation she totally dragged her and Sex I was and like the city fans yes like, what? I know right um, but yeah thank you so much for coming on Kev I actually it was actually an honour to be here it was an honour <laughs> to be here <laughs> thank you so much babe we go moonwalking now Let's go move on. Yes, in honour. All right, thank you, (laughs) Paul. 10 Things I Love About You. My Decade in Radio by Polly James. Supported by Radio Today.